Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, March 11th. It has been one type of week in the tennis world. The big news coming out of Indian Wells, the Masters and Premier Mandatory event canceled due to emerging concerns about the coronavirus. Obviously, the implications of the virus going to continue to become greater and greater, and we had the chance to talk about them earlier in the week on our Mini Break podcast when we brought in both New York Times uh, reporter, No Challenges Remaining podcast co-host Ben Rothenberg to discuss the decision in the immediate aftermath. We also had the chance yesterday uh, to talk with Kentucky Sports Radio founder Matt Jones to talk about the broader implications beyond just the tennis world. So we have covered that topic at length here this week on our mini break podcast. But look, there is still plenty of fun tennis for us to discuss, and in particular, the gift that keeps on giving. We at Crack Rackets have never been more grateful for the presence of college tennis, as there have still been plenty of fun matches throughout the country for us to discuss, and we will be doing that here today. Joining me in that discussion, the two people who always do whenever we talk college tennis on a Crack Rackets podcast, let's start where we always start. You know him as a former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, one of your favorite writers on our website, CrackRackets.com. I've also started affectionately referring to him as the brother of Duke One singles player Nick Stokowiak, it's Matty the Crack Stokowiak. Matty, welcome back to the show. How are you feeling today? What's going on, Gruskin? Feeling great, man. I uh, up to this point haven't caught any the uh, virus just yet, so I'm feeling good. No complaints over here. I'm glad to hear it, and hopefully that's a feeling that you will continue to have. Obviously, uh, we don't want anyone getting sick, but, you know, yeah, it's a concerning time. Thankfully, we still have some college tennis to discuss. Joining us tonight to discuss that as well, as he always does, you know him as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR, and one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames, Chris Halioris. Chris, after Liberty dropped that match to UCLA, but they ended up getting a point on the board, I can considered texting Trevor and saying that you predicted a 4-0 shutout, you're welcome for not doing that. <laughs> well, I mean, what was the score after four? I'm, I'm not even sure, actually. It, it might have been <laughs> 4-0. I didn't say they wouldn't get a point on the ball, but yeah, that was a rough one. Uh, that and the 4-3, 4-3 loss to Virginia. Yep, rough one. And then uh, and a reschedule of the next one out there since uh, SMU is not coming anymore. So long week, but hey, hey what? They can't complain. They're out in California having fun, I'm sure. So I'll say this. You didn't predict them to not win a point, but you also didn't predict them to win a point. So you're you're right. If, you know, you're hovering between that line. I suppose it true. still counts. I, I also yeah. think that, that that I consider Maddie to be the head of household. So he is not <laughs> the brother of Nick Stokoyak. That's baby stacks compared to Matt. That's, Thank you, Chris. No. Thank you, Chris. This is, 
Yeah. See, I like to judge people by how many stars they had on tennis recruiting, and I think we can safely say Nick had a you know that extra star gives him that little bit of a boost. But yeah, I, that's fair to say, Chris as well. And look, we could spend this podcast once again talking about the coronavirus and how we think that's going to impact uh, the upcoming and current, or I should say, the current college tennis season. But we've talked about that enough. There are so many great results from the past week of tennis that I want to focus on today, and it's been too long since we've talked to tennis, so that's going to be the focus of our conversation today. Of course, the reason we are able to do these mini break podcasts each and every day here at Crack Rackets due to our friends at Diadem Sports. And you know the deal by now. Diadem on the forefront of innovations going on right now in the tennis world. Their products helping tennis players around the globe elevate their games by designing the most innovative performance tennis gear on the planet. Their Nova 100, their Elevate 98. Good, Their rackets, good for any style of play. If you're like Chris, you're shanking every third ball with these diadem rackets maybe you go down to every fourth every fifth for matt as you mentioned chris maybe he uses a diadem racket growing up he's the higher ranked player and i'm saying hey the older brother of a lesser known duke player matt stokoyak but obviously these diadem rackets were not around back when we were playing and so you know it's not just the rackets right it's their string technology as well their solstice power their elite xt their flash strings evolution and of course my personal favorite the impulse strings we both we all know on this podcast how impulsive I am. Uh, they're going to bring out the best in your game, no matter what your playing style is. And if you go to their website right now, diadimsports.com, you are, you'll get intrigued by their products. I promise. And you use our promo code CR50. It's fifty percent off your order. We all know how expensive different things like strings, like uh, tennis balls, like the amazing swag they have on their website as well, in terms of sweatshirts and t-shirts and pullovers and whatnot. Uh, it can all get expensive to outfit your appropriately on a tennis court. So you go to their website right now, use that promo code CR50, 50% off of your order. And again, we here at Crack Records so grateful for our friends at Diadem Sports. We had the chance to sit down with their co-founder, AJ Bartlett, a couple weeks ago on our Cracked Interviews podcast to learn more about their products, to learn which uh, products you should be using depending on your game style. Be sure to go listen to that podcast. But let's return the focus to the college tennis world because it was a fascinating week of events. And I think, you know, we always end this segment Uh, We always end this podcast with our top eight power rankings projecting who we think right now would be the top eight seeds come NCAA tournament, and we're going to save our current top eight rankings for the end, but I think that's the the biggest topic, the biggest subject, you know, storyline overlooking this entire college tennis season, Matt, right now. It's just the parity between these teams. Positions three through, you could honestly go all the way to 13 because USC, UNC have distinguished themselves as the, the teams people are chasing. But everywhere else, Matt, it's a toss-up, and that has led to so many close matches. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we really like to see that. Obviously, for us on this podcast, we don't necessarily like breaking down our top eight rankings with so much parody. Um, <laughs> but as far as just our entertainment, right, it's awesome. I mean, that's all we can hope for is just so many teams fighting, you know, for top eight seeds, for top 16 hosting position seeds um, for the NCAA tournament in May. So, yeah, it's it's been great so far, and and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. I mean, we've still got plenty of tennis to be played, and and there's going to be a ton of teams fighting. So it's it's great, man. 
And I know on our website, CrackRackets.com, one of our new series I come out with my weekly top eight power rankings, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, producing some stunning YouTube videos, turning that power ranking segment into video format. If you guys haven't checked that out, be sure to go to our YouTube channel. We've got so many fun video, uh, different contents in the work that I know you all will enjoy. Certainly, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you guys know that Westoff makes us sound way better than we are already. Imagine if it's a product that he gets to hold on to from start to finish. It's so much fun on those sorts of things. But Chris, I know ever since I've been publishing that article, and I'm not going to say who I'm hearing from, but multiple coaches and players have reached out to me and been like, are you serious, Alex? That's where you're putting Wake Forest? Or really? Like, do you not realize Michigan doesn't play outside half the year? Uh, I imagine you're hearing that sort of stuff as well. And I know you are putting together some fun stuff on your website, collegetennisranks.com. Because again, the word I'm going to keep circling to, the parody right now. So many of these teams are so good, and I don't know if it's a product of the no-ad scoring, but so many of these matches end up being either-or, right, Chris? Yeah, I mean, you know, after the t- after the first couple, it's a complete it's a complete toss-up. It's a you know, it's it, it's a a mixed bag as to where you want to go, and and anybody can. I think you had mentioned earlier in the season, you know, and you even drew the line. We drew the line lower than it actually was. I think late early in the year we. We said I don't even know where we where we drew the maybe at like eight or ten or twelve. We said oh anywhere from there down to you know twenty or twenty five, any team could beat each other. Well, I, I think now that line starts at like three. <laughs> <laughs> no, without question, it literally all of these matches. It depends where you're playing. It depends: is it indoors? Is it outdoors? And we're going to talk about some of those results that are going to be influenced. Let's get all the plugging out of the way at the beginning, though, Chris, because we all we do know some coaches do listen to this podcast. Can you let them know what's going on at your website right now, rankings wise? Because I know you're up to some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, well, everything's rolled rolled over. Uh, I, you know, had had some requests uh, and one still pending, but I threw the dates. I, I, a lot of people ask. Um, one of the guys at Texas A and M had asked the SID there that I put the uh, the dates on which the number of matches that get included in the ranking. Uh, I threw that at the top of the table there in the projected ranking, so you'll see that uh, the men's are all the men's are all good and they're set and and they've been rolled over for this week. I'm working on the women's have gotten, you, you can't even imagine how many uh, people privately send me DMs going, Hey, are you going to be able to get the women's up? Uh, I'm, I'm working on it. So hopefully, hopefully that'll be up uh, soon. Had another request and I think I'll go ahead and start. I usually wait a little later in the year, but uh, that, that projected rankings page at some point I convert over to adding the cut line for the NCAA in there. And I'm already getting questions about, Hey, where is that? So I'll go ahead and, probably sometime this week throw that back up there where you'll see you know assume the the leader of each conference would be assumed to be the conference winner until the tournament was played and and then it'll just fill in the rest of the field with that large and draw the cut line which usually happens around 41 or so um so i'll throw that back up there but lots of lots of good stuff going on through some through a lot of utr info up there been talking to those guys about some good integration uh, so hopefully there's more of that to come. Had a couple meetings with them, but uh, all, all good stuff. And uh, anybody else that's got requests for things they want to see, by all means, you know, hit, hit me up on Twitter, shoot me uh, suggestions and, and I'll look at them. 
you know when you start using words like integration, it turns me on, Chris. It's way too early in the podcast for words like that. Uh, no, it's it's been a really fun time. And yeah, because of the parody, because so many of these teams are beating one another, regardless of where they're ranked, uh, those cutoff points are going to be fascinating as we move closer to that NCAA tournament deadline, which hopefully isn't going to be impacted by the coronavirus. Obviously, we all are looking forward to that. I know uh, we at Cracked Rackets are hoping to get down to Stillwater in May for this year's NCAA tournament. So yeah, all of that hovering in the background. That being said, again, some fantastic results this week from the college tennis world and the place I want to start all the way out in Palo Alto because, you know, as soon as you go outdoors, that's always where you're going to get some funky early results. Some of these teams, if they're a Midwest or a Northern based team, they don't play outside until late March, early April. And so you throw them outdoors, you throw them at a California school. There are certain to be, uh, there are certainly going to be upsets. And in fact, that's what we saw last week as the Cardinal of Stanford. And I finally have that down. It is the Cardinal singular. Uh, They knocked off the Buckeyes of Ohio State in a 4-3 thriller. Ohio State, I believe, taking the doubles point with wins at the 1-3 singles positions, going into that singles portion 1-0. And then ultimately, it's the Stanford depth. They get the wins at 4-6 through singles. They also get a win at the number one position from Axel Geller to knock off the Buckeyes for three. I want to start with Chris, no disrespect, Matt, because when we were at the indoors, Chris, we talked about, ooh, maybe we overranked Stanford a little bit too much at the beginning of the season. They had a rough indoor experience. You look at what happened to them while they were there. They lost a 4-0 match to USC. They lost a 4-2 match to Texas. They scraped by 4-3 in their first match to beat NC State, and you know, following that, they went to Texas, to TCU, took two losses there but for them to beat the Buckeyes uh, in this match it was at home and of course it being outdoors played a factor but how shocked were you by this result pretty shocked actually I mean I you know I'm the one that all joking aside always gives Ohio State a hard time and say you know hey welcome to the outdoors Ohio State but still I thought welcome to the outdoors no issues today uh you know Axel Geller coming into this match who got one of the key wins for Stanford had lost five of his last six matches. He was in not good form. I mean, there's no way you could make a case that he was in good form losing five of six uh, coming in Ohio state with, you know, always good doubles uh, regard, you know, indoors or out. And, uh, and they take the doubles point. You got to be feeling pretty good. And yeah, they just, you know, couldn't, couldn't get it done at the bottom of the lineup. And I think, you know, all the questions that we had about about this team were going to be, uh, you know, what do they get at the bottom of the lineup and outdoors? And, you know, the combination of those two things, you know, in this match against Stanford, you know, it wasn't good at the bottom of the lineup and it wasn't good outdoors. So it's not, not, not a good sign for, for them. Yeah, and we saw a lineup change from the Buckeyes in this one. Kyle Seelig, the redshirt senior, number 29 in the country right now, uh, moved up to the three singles position at four was Justin Boulez, the immensely talented freshman, though he had been struggling thus far in singles, at least early in his season. Not to say he hasn't had some good wins, but yeah, you know, for the Buckeyes to get the doubles point, I don't think that surprised anyone. But Matt, you know, five of the six singles matches here were straight set affairs on complicated. Uh, And once again, for the Buckeyes, this seems to be a recurring theme. 
all of these matches for them, all these close matches, it was the Wake Forest match as well. Uh, it came down to James Trotter once again, and unfortunately, he wasn't able to get the job done against Neil Rajesh, Rajesh clinching the match for the Cardinals, 6-2, 3-6, at that number five position. Your reaction to not only the lineup change we saw from the Buckeyes, but uh, that they ultimately dropped this one as well. Yeah, I mean, definitely surprised by the result. I'm not going to say I was shocked, you know, completely shocked that they lost this match outdoors at Stanford. Stanford is a very solid team. I mean, throughout their lineup, they're, they're a good team. So not shocked, but really for me, I mean, you look at four, five, and six, I for sure, I mean, I just, I thought Ohio State was going to snag one of those courts. And really, court five, you mentioned James Trotter. That's the matchup that I looked at and said, okay, I think, Ohio State is going to be pretty set there. Neil Rajesh hasn't played all that great this year, um, and everything else went according to plan, at least in my eyes. I mean, the doubles, you know, Cash McNally, one of the best teams in the country. They take that tiebreaker to seal the doubles point. That makes sense. Courts one, two, and three, no real surprises to me there. I mean, I know Geller had been struggling, but, you know, a match against McNally, I, I, I still... I like him in that matchup. So to me, that's not a surprise. Two and three, Kingsley Selig, those are the linchpins for Ty Tucker. They get wins. But man, four, five, and six. I just I thought for sure they were gonna steal one of those wins and and get out of there, you know, with a, a four three win. But man, credit to Stanford. Their depth comes through and and that's you know where we've been questioning them a little bit. We know Geller and Rotesart, you know, up top are are very good. They can compete. But four, five, and six have been tough for Stanford, and they come through big. Yeah, and in fact, you look at it for Stanford in terms of the lineup changes for them. A lot of the season thus far, it had been Rajesh at at four, Timothy Saw playing somewhere between four and five. They make the switch there, and it pays off uh, for Coach Goldstein as he gets wins at the bottom of the lineup. And look, you know, we set we always say the recipe to beat Ohio State, you got to beat them down low because up top, as you mentioned, and you can probably you probably have to get the win at one over McNally, not to be disrespectful to him, uh, but. You know, comparatively, Cannon Kingsley has looked as good as any player in the country thus far this season. Uh, but to take four singles wins, and I guess, you know, it's their first or second in outdoor match. You know, they lost that decision to Georgia. We had the emergency pod last week when that happened. Uh, but now they've lost two in a row outdoors. And again, it's very early in the season, but, you know, for Justin Boulez, who it seems like when Ohio State is losing matches, he is also losing when they lost their match to UNC. I believe he lost fairly quickly uh, in that decision to Rinki Hijikata uh, when he was playing three singles, but I guess moving forward, and then I'll go to you, Matt, first. Uh, Again, in terms of for this Ohio State team outdoors, does this change anything for you, or are you going to still just treat this, you know, these, these two Georgia losses? Because if you remember last year, they had that Texas stretch where they played without J.J. Wolf. They lost to the Longhorns. They lost to A&M, and it didn't really affect them heading into the Big Ten season. But given what we've seen from Michigan, and my Illinois thoughts from earlier in the year, I'm just writing them off and pretending they never happened. But Ohio State, in your mind, do they still enter the Big Ten as the prohibitive favorite? Oh, no question about it. They enter the Big Ten as the prohibitive favorite. I'm looking more down the lines to to May. You know, when they line up against some of these other schools outdoors, you know, in Stillwater, when we get to that point, I think that's where I'm going to be a little bit concerned. I mean, what does Ty Tucker do at the number six position? I mean, you know, he's tried a couple of different players down there, Robert Cash, um, 
you know, Andrew, I don't even want to say his last name. I'll get it wrong, but you know who Luchung. Yeah. Luchung. There you Luchani. go. Luchani. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Um, and, and so I just look, McNally is going to be playing the absolute best of the best every single time. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I have confidence in Kingsley and Sealing. I know those guys are going to get the job done, but Blaze, Trotter, Cash, McNally, I mean, there are some question marks for me. It's just going to come down to they're, they're going to have to win dubs. I mean, for sure, outdoors, like in this Stanford match, they have got to win doubles and then, you know, Kingsley, Seelig, and and get one more match. That's going to be their recipe for four, I think, you know, throughout the rest of this season. But in the Big Ten, they're still going to roll. I, I, I'm fine with that. They're, they're winning, no doubt. <laughs> well, well they're, they are, they do have that Michigan match in Columbus this year, I believe. So certainly yep. you move forward and project that schedule. That helps them as well. But, you know, Chris, and we'll get into our top eight rankings again at the end, but seeding implications. The Buckeyes have now taken two quick losses uh, to Georgia, to Stanford, but they still have that win over USC. They still have the win over Texas A&M and Texas that they got at home early in the season. I think their path to a top eight seed is still quite clear. But from the Stanford perspective, uh, does this win get them back in the hunt for a top eight seed? Oh, absolutely. They're in the hunt. Uh, I mean, you know, whether, whether they can get there or not, a, a different question, but, but they're, they are definitely back in the hunt. Uh, Ohio state, these, these two losses, right. Are not going to hurt in the, in the least really in the end, they're a lock for a top eight, even if they lose to Michigan. I mean, look, you're, you're talking about losing, to a Michigan team, unless they fall apart, who's going to be, you know, they're looking like a top 10 team. Uh, and then Georgia is hanging right around the top 10. Stanford's right around the top 10. They're not, they're not getting hurt by those losses. They're almost, they're almost inconsequential. It's more than the fact that they didn't get the points, you know, from the win. They're a lock to be top eight. Stanford, it's going to be a little tougher road for them. They're going to have to come up with some some wins, but they're back in the conversation with that. That was a big a big help to put them back in the conversation to try and sneak into a top eight spot. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with you there. A great win for the Stanford program. And, you know, for Axel Geller, who did not look the best at the national indoors, this is a really good win for him over John McNally. Uh, and again, for them to get that, to lose the doubles point and find four singles wins, really impressive performance for the Cardinal to take that 4-3 decision. That was not the only 4-3 decision, though, we saw this weekend and not even the only 4-3 upset we had. The big news coming out of the SEC on Sunday, the Florida game. Gators, their 16-match regular season SEC win streak snapped as they went to College Station and dropped a decision to the Aggies of Texas A&M. Perhaps what was most surprising about this match is that Florida took the doubles point. They got wins at the two doubles position. They got wins at the three doubles position. But once again, Chris, uh, even after taking that doubles point, they lose four singles matches. It happened at home with them against Texas. Uh, It happened again here. And I 
think the most shocking part is, once again, they lost the top two positions. And, you know, it's one thing, you know, Ito and Siskard, that's as good of a top two as you're going to find. And certainly the combination of Vashro and Hattie Habib, uh, I should say Val Vashro and Hattie Habib, who play top two, you know, that's a really good top two as well. But for Florida to win the doubles point and lose four singles matches, color me as shocked. Chris, how are you feeling when that happens? I know you were on a bike ride and came home just in time to watch it end. Yeah, I, well, I couldn't even, I, I don't even know what to make of this match because I can look at it from, from many angles. And in, in pre-match analysis, if you had told me A&M is going to lose three and five, the two spots that I felt were their strongest chances to win. If you say we're losing three and five, I said, no chance you have. And doubles. We lose doubles, we lose three, we lose five. I say, yeah, you see it. There's no way you're no way you're winning that match. And then they win at the, the top two spots where you got to figure Florida is the favorite. It was almost like every single court uh, you know, that had an advantage went the opposite direction. And I would have called, you know, Andrade Schachter and and Goodger Marson virtual toss-ups, but uh, uh, and those were the two were the two closest matches. But the other ones seemed to go exactly the opposite of the way we would have expected. And for Florida again to to win the doubles point and then drop four out of the six singles matches, almost you know akin to when they played the other Texas school and dropped five of the six singles matches, uh, not good. No, and look, we happen to have gotten to meet, and she is a Patreon subscriber, Noah Schachter's lovely mother, Ann Schachter, so could not feel better for her, and, you know, for, uh, I can only imagine what her fingernails, what her heart rate looked like during that second set breaker, Andy Andrade at four singles for Florida, had three set points on Noah Schachter, Schachter able to fight all three of them off, he takes that match to clinch at four, seven, six, seven, six, but, you know, Maddie, the Gators dropped all four singles tied breakers played in this match this is now I don't want to say an emerging theme because I hate superficial judgments like this and so maybe I'll throw it to you maybe you're willing to make this sort of judgment but you know for the it for the Gators it's this match it's uh the match they played last year at Tennessee because it's the same nucleus from last year's team and I think that's why we were all so excited about them heading into the seasons we're like whoa you bring back Crawford Riffis Valle Andrade and Greif with the recruiting class they brought in as well you know, we thought this is going to be the team to beat, but we saw it against Texas early in the season. We see it now again here. What's missing for this Gator team? I think they need to get number six straightened out here. And, and I don't want to point, you know, totally to that court. But for me, that is the most important court for Florida because we talk about their depth all the time, right, guys? You know, this team is deeper than anybody else in the country. They've got seven, eight, nine guys that can play. One of those guys has to step up and emerge, whether it's, you know, Ingoldson, Will Grant, Blaze Bicknell. I mean, I don't know if Josh Goodger is the answer. Clearly, he wasn't able to get it done in, in this huge, huge SEC match for the Gators. So, to me, Florida can't lose six. I mean, you have got to win that court when you have the roster – that Florida has, I'm sorry. And then, you know, Crawford Riffis, team captains, for them both to go down, I mean, six and one, Oliver, one and six, Sam. I mean, I just I don't I don't love that. Now Vashiro and Habib are really, really good. I mean, so when I look at that, they, they need to get a split there. One of those guys can 
Jones. They can lose one or two. I just, you can't lose both of them. When you have top 10 guys like Oliver Crawford and Sam Riffis, one of them's got to get the job done. And then if they can sort out six, I mean, I feel pretty good about the middle of their lineup. I, I really do. So I, again, the issues here, I don't think are huge. Yes, it's a bit concerning, but they can iron them out. You know, iron them out. I think they're going to be okay because their dubs has been pretty good too, which which I think is going to be important later on down the line. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. And you know, you look at it uh, for this team. Uh, you know, Crawford and Riffis, you're always like in ninety nine percent of matches you play, you're going to get at least one point from those top two positions, and that they do have some comfort in doubles right now does seem to loom uh, well. It does seem to bear well for them moving forward. But you can't like, how do they drop? Uh, you know, three, two of the three top, bottom three positions. That just doesn't make sense to me. And when you're playing a team like Texas A and M to win doubles, I would have thought for sure, as you mentioned, Chris, they're going to find a pathway to three of those four bottom four positions. And credit to Duarte Valley. That's a really good win over Juan Carlos Aguilar, two and one at the three singles position. He was off the court before it felt like the match even started. And in fact, I think Florida raced out to a 3-0 lead. I think Greif finished off his match before either Habib or Vashro put points on the board for AM. But of course, that's a false 3-0 lead. And Chris, we got another data point. What would you rather have? The doubles point in two first sets in singles or four first sets in singles in this instance it's the Aggies and the four first sets in singles that work uh, that end up working out but yeah I I completely agree with you Matt it's the constant turmoil at the bottom of the lineup I just feel like the six singles player right now for the Gators there's no rhythm there right now from a confidence perspective you can only imagine because you know I'm not that far out of college and you know the mindset of you're playing for your spot and you feel you you know you can only imagine the pressure you're feeling like "Uh oh if I don't win today they're gonna put in Johannes or if I don't win today they're gonna put in Blaze and whatever it may be and there's just there's not a lot of continuity right now at the bottom of the lineup for the Gators so you know in terms of the seedings I think this is the result Chris that screwed all of our top eight rankings (laughs) yeah it's not the only one but yeah it certainly didn't help that's for sure yeah, it's just like it's just like you know now Texas A and M. You're like, well, they lost to Michigan, they lost to TCU at the indoors. Had they lost this match to Florida, maybe I can drop them out of the top eight rankings. And but now that Florida's lost, I mean, look at Florida's resume thus far. Who they've beaten? You know, a good four zero win over Columbia, a good four one win for them in that final match at the indoors over Wake. But beyond that, you know, four three loss to A and M, four zero loss to UNC, that five two loss to Texas. You could argue they've lost the three biggest match they've played thus far and I don't know how concerned are you for these this Gators team moving forward and then also you look at the rankings implications for this result how do you see that going yeah I mean I, I think they'll they'll get enough hopefully out of the SEC that they'll probably be they'll probably land a top eight but it's that's questionable at this point they're right on that right on that bubble uh and from a concern standpoint yeah I mean I I'm I'm pretty concerned. I definitely don't feel like coming into the year, we kind of thought it was Florida, USC, North Carolina kind of sitting up top. And then we'll see. And it, then it looked like Ohio State was, you know, next, maybe with Texas. But they're definitely out of that conversation right now. And I don't have, you know, based on what we've seen, I, I don't have a lot of hope that to get through an NCAA tournament all the way that they'd be able to put it together, you know, put that together through the bottom of the lineup and win you know, six matches. Uh, it, it doesn't look good right now. 
Yeah, and I guess for Texas A&M, with this sort of win, Chris, I mean, or and Matt as well, but you look at their results, they dropped the 4-1 decision to Ohio State at Ohio State, that's fine. I think uh, that 4-3 match with Michigan, Aguilar was up a set, and I think it was 4-0 on Styler before he dropped that match, and then, you know, we both were there for that TCU match. I keep referencing it, Coach Roditi, you know, coming up to us saying, yeah, my guys are playing really, really well right now uh, during the match. I think uh, you can write that sort of loss off, but is Texas A&M now the favorite to run the table in the SEC? We talked all, you know, throughout, up until this point, Matt and Chris, we have said it's Florida, Gap, probably Texas A&M, but then a lot of other people jockeying for second. I think now with this result, I mean, Chris, Texas A&M has the inside draw to the SEC regular season championship, right? Well, having knocked off Florida, you, you got to believe that's the case. But I think, uh, you know, yeah, we said, we had I at least had Florida A and M together, and then Georgia, Tennessee, South Carolina. South Carolina has been a little bit of a disappointment thus far, uh, and they've already lost to Texas A and M. So I would say toss them out. But you've still got Georgia, Tennessee there. Tennessee certainly they've looked really good, but you still got to have that little asterisk of a question mark, knowing that they don't have Scotty Jones anymore. Uh, and if they somehow could manage to pull it off, being down, they're losing their number two guy. I mean, more power to them. So I would say that it kind of looks like Georgia maybe being the team that would need to knock them off if it's going to happen. But you would think if they're going to lose now, it's got to be one of them. But there's so many good teams in the SEC. Somebody's, I say somebody's bound to jump up and get them. But the last several years, somebody's run the table. Well, let's talk a little bit about that SEC now because it does feel like all of these teams are about to beat one another. And, you know, one of the other big results I wanted to talk about today, Tennessee getting a massive 4-3 win over Mississippi. Uh, we talked about it earlier as well with that Georgia win over Ohio State and how good they've looked. They lost that early 4-3 decision to South Carolina, but given how young they are, the fact, you know, that's a team you imagine is going to get better and better throughout the course of the season. And in fact, you look at their results this weekend, they knock off Mississippi 4-1, they knock off Mississippi State 5-2. Um, you know, Matt, what are your thoughts on this SEC conference right now and how you think it's going to bear out? Yeah, well, for sure, A&M has the inside track, like you mentioned, Ruskin. I think it's at this point, they've gotten the job done with Florida. That was the biggest obstacle. They knocked that one down, and they've got absolutely every opportunity to run the table and win the uh, the SEC regular season. I think they can do that. But as far as the conference as a whole, along with, you know, I'm still putting Florida up there with them. Um, I know they just lost that match, but also Georgia now. Those three teams, to me, are are really the cream of the crop now in this conference. You look at A&M, Florida Gators, Georgia. In my eyes, they've separated themselves just a bit. I'm looking at them at the top. And then, of course, you know, you've got the Tennessee, South Carolina, Ole Miss, those types of teams that are falling in, you know, right below there. And Tennessee is a very good team. I mean, they, they, they are, but... I'm not quite ready to put them up there in that category with A&M, Florida, Georgia, for me, right at this point yet. Matt, uh, Matt, you are Matt. Sorry, Chris. It was, that was bound to happen inevitably, by the way. One of these days I was going to screw up your names because you guys obviously both look so much alike, hairlines receding up to the forehead. Um, but, you know, Chris, with all the results we saw this weekend in the SEC, I mentioned those, I mentioned those Georgia results, uh, you know, Tennessee getting that 4-3 win over Ole Miss, who clearly— 
their early season form not a fluke. They are going to be a competitor in each and every match they play. We've also seen Alabama continue to play better and better for them this weekend. A big 4-3 win over, uh, I believe it was Vanderbilt. So how do you see, I mean, you kind of mentioned it there, but were there any particular notable results from you over this past week from the SEC that surprised you? No, I think, you know, a couple of things that are more, not necessarily surprising, but I, I I don't know don't know why. So I would love to hear. But for for example, Georgia in that Mississippi State match on Sunday didn't play Phil Henning, right? And that's not. I mean, granted, Mississippi State's you know in that next tier down, and you would expect to win the match, but that's not a match that you just pull your number two guy for just because you think you're going to win. No chance they do it for that reason. Uh, and at one point, Mississippi State Mississippi State took four first sets. Um, so that was, uh, you know, that could have gotten a little dicey. So I'm a little worried for Georgia if there's an issue with Henning, right? And Henning's the one that, that broke or badly sprained that ankle last year against Mississippi state. So I don't, you know, I, I worry, worry about that a little bit. Um, Tennessee, I expected to beat Ole Miss South Carolina, like I said, has been kind of, uh, you know, they, they go and take a, a fairly easy loss, to A&M after having lost at home to Alabama. So they're not putting themselves kind of where we thought up at the top there. Kentucky is a team that's getting better. Uh, they, they come away from the weekend with a, with a couple, with some good results and, and move up into the, I think into the thirties or somewhere around 33 in the rankings. But yeah, I still, we still kind of have that Florida A&M, uh, Georgia, Tennessee, South Carolina should be there. Uh, they had that one bad loss to Bama, so we'll see what that does. But yeah, you still then you got your old misses, your Alabamas, your Kentuckys. Uh, it's it's gonna LSU, Mississippi State. It's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out. But I still think the top is what we thought the top would be. Yeah, I think that's fair. And again, it's the depth, right? I ask you this, I feel like every week, Chris, but if I told you nine SEC teams get into the NCAA tournament, too high, too low, or is that possible? Holy cow. I should I should write this all down because I I'd have to run through them for sure. Obviously, Florida's in, A and M's in, Georgia's in, Tennessee's in, Ole Miss is in. Am I at five? Uh, South Carolina. Kentucky's in six. South Carolina's in seven. Uh, Alabama's in eight. I say that's the sure line. I say the for sure there are eight. Uh, yeah. And I'm I'm trying to think who's. Now, now the cut after that comes down to your LSU, Mississippi State of the world, and yeah, that's 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 where it gets questionable. Yeah, it, it's going to be a really fun SEC season, particularly because it does feel like all of these teams, depending on who's the home team, they're going to beat uh, one another up. So it's going to be a fun season of SEC matches. Let's flip gears now. Let's go to the ACC again for the rest of our other notable uh, results from the weekend. Maddie, your brother's Duke Blue Devils. Given Wake Forest, now I believe at the time of clinch it was 4-1, but they gave the Demon Deacons a run. That match ended up being 4-3. Wake Forest got the doubles point uh they get wins at four and six and then i hate to bring this up but i can't imagine it's very easy to beat your brother oh and oh so what a performance from barbotzer to get that sort of win um that being said what did you learn about your duke blue devils this weekend um well in that match not that much i mean doubles (laughs) no i really didn't i mean this match was it, it was really a poor match from duke all around there's no way around it i mean doubles have been really really good for duke 
Um, and I know, you know, I talked to Sean Scully. They, Nick and, and Sean played poorly in doubles in that match. They should not have lost to Nava and Squire. Um, they felt like they blew that one, you know, put it on them. And I think for Nick, I, I think that kind of carried over into the singles. We didn't talk about it too much. Um, some things are better just kind of left unsaid, um, you know, so I'm not going to comment too much on that specific match. But, you know, really a lot of the Duke wins came after clinch. You know, Luca Keist at three gets the win after clinch. Um, Garrett Johns gets the win over Nava after clinch. So I, I don't put a whole lot of, you know, stake into that being a close match or whatever. Nah, 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 not a close match. Wake took it, you know, easily. And I just, I didn't expect to, to go like that. Um, Duke's got a lot of work to do. They, they really do. They got some big matches coming up this weekend. Florida State at Florida State at Miami. And those are two tricky teams. Miami, I think, is better than a lot of people thought they were going to be. Um, we'll see. Let, let's get back to Duke next week after the weekend, and, and we'll reassess at that point. That's fair. And look, for Miami, they knocked off Florida State this weekend, so they got a really good win as well. And by the way, that right there, folks, is a great piece of older brothering. Take note. There's time when you just have to give your younger brother space. You know he's struggling with something. You're there for him to support him, but sometimes you just got to let things go. So, hey, great shot by you, Maddie. I know that's not this podcast, but still uh, definitely counts. So uh, that's fine to say. Any comments on that match, Chris, or do you want to just talk about that uh, Virginia team without Carl Soderlund still managed to knock off your Liberty no. Four three. Yeah, the, the, only, the only thing I'll say about that Duke match is the same thing I, I've told Trevor many times. For that day, I was as good as Nick Stokowiak. I could have done it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to let that Trevor. fly? I said, I said, if you lose a match 0-0, I will be the first one to tell you I could have done that. <laughs> <laughs> I will but, say, I, I can't remember ever. I mean, we're talking juniors. We're talking, like, uh, practice, anything Nick losing a match 0-0, I, I can't recall. I, I really can't. I think that might be a first. He's always gotten a game somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Just, just a fluke, though. I'm chalking that one up to a fluke. He's not going to perform like that again. I guarantee you that. Yeah. No, we'll say we'll say this. Uh, you and Barbotzer, though, Maddie, same age, so it's okay. Uh, uh, actually, you know, I, that, that I, I think he's a little bit older than I am. Yeah, by the way, that's a cheap shot, Bar. You know we love you here at Cracked Rackets. That was just a bad joke. Um, but, yeah, no, that that's completely fair. Yeah, no, exactly. Look, all jokes come from a place of truth. Um, but, yeah, so that was the big result there. I mean, I mentioned that result jokingly, Chris, but, I mean, your Liberty Flames have looked pretty good this year. That 4-3 result for Virginia, uh, you look at what happens there. They end up taking the doubles point, which proved crucial, uh, and then they get the three-set uh, three win clinch, I believe, at the number four singles position as they get that win from Will Woodall. Now, they played this match without Carl, uh, without Carl Soderlund, but it does feel worth noting that for Virginia, they are now one uh, man less on their team. They've had some roster turmoil as well. I mean, does this match tell you more about Virginia or about Liberty, Chris? Yeah, I, not not either, really. I mean, it's honestly, it's a match I didn't expect Liberty to win, even without uh, Soderlund. I didn't know that that uh, Virginia was going to be minus uh, Christian Alshon. Didn't realize he was not with the team anymore. Uh, it definitely made things a little more interesting uh, down down at the bottom of the lineup, but uh, but yeah, it's still obviously it's it's just a little bit of another step up. Great match, great experience for the guys, and a, and uh, you know and a, a good good competitive match. But but yeah, I mean, and it wasn't like it was a four three down to the wire. Uh, I mean, it kind of it, 
it was looking like it was going that way. But but yeah, it was a good competitive match. Yeah, and then again that my the other ACC notable match that Miami Florida State match uh, going the way of Miami. But you know now to look across the board at the other so that was the ACC. You look at the other notable result. There were some still some other pretty good four three finishes down the stretch. You talk about UCF. They go to Texas Tech. They get a four three win again. Another doubles uh, data point for you, Chris. They drop the doubles point, but and I think they actually did end up dropping. Uh, I think it was multiple first sets and. They come all the way back. I think they dropped four or five first sets in their match with Texas Tech, but they come all the way back to get the win here over uh, the Texas Tech. What are they? Texas Tech are not the Longhorns. Red Raiders. The Aggies. They're the Red Raiders. Red yeah, Raiders. Sorry, I was working through all my Texas teams. I was like, they're not Horned Frogs. Uh, I was like, what did Michael Crabtree have across his jersey? Um, no, but for this Texas Tech team, I mean, for this UCF team, Chris, you know, they're not in a power conference, so wins like this so crucial to them. Is there any path? way to them to a top 16 seed um maybe first of all i i almost i want to boycott talking about them ever until they stop putting hashtag power six on every post so <laughs> they are not a part the ivy league is a better conference so if you're gonna do that you better say power seven uh, I mean, <laughs> I, and and i might be able to find more i don't know i mean it's that's a disgrace stop putting power six in every post guys um yeah i don't know i think it's going to be tough like you said just because i mean you know they're going to get Tulane, but memphis is not the memphis that used to be anymore uh so get you know getting those those conference wins for them is is not going to be easy tulsa is not the tulsa that used to be and that's it's too tall a task for them to to get enough wins, you know, the rest of the way to put themselves in, you know, they're, yes, they're sitting right outside that spot now, but there are too many teams that will inevitably beat each other up and find themselves with a couple big wins that'll pass them anyway for them to stay there. Yeah, that's fair. But I will say this, you know, Coach John Ronick left Oklahoma uh, after back-to-back-to-back national championship appearances, I believe, or maybe it was just back-to-back, but, you know, takes the job in Orlando, and for this UCF program, he's got them rocking and rolling. You know, their losses on the year thus far, 5-2 to Wake Forest, 6-1 to Florida, and then 4-3 to UCLA. I mean, this team does look really good moving forward, and so, Matt, I'm sure you, if you don't mind me skipping over this, I'm sure you just echo my uh, Chris's opinion on this one. Yeah, no, I think they're a dangerous team come tournament time, even if they're not top 16. Yeah, that's the team where you're like, that's our two seed, that's our three seed. Depending on who you are, we could be in trouble. I completely agree with you there. Uh, In terms of the other results, notable for the top 16 seeds and just moving forward, Oklahoma State gets a really good 4-1 win over Cal Berkeley. Uh, They've had a good run of success as well. They pushed Wake Forest to the brink 4-3. They also just came off a win versus Michigan. It continues to speak to the depth right now in this Big 12 conference. And with all due respect for Cal, this loss here probably knocks them out of top 16 seeded position in terms of the Big Ten Iowa a monumental win for that program 4-3 over Cornell I believe they clinched the match with a win uh, you know they get three three set singles wins excuse me from the two uh, four and six singles positions and they were down uh, sets in all three of those matches they also uh, won two doubles tiebreakers to get the win so that's a clutch performance for the Iowa Hawkeyes Uh, your thoughts Maddie on those two results yeah for Iowa I mean 
good win over Cornell, but I think in once they get into the Big Ten, it's still going to be tough sledding for them. I mean, they're they're going to be you know having a lot of tough matches. Um, Oklahoma State, though, yeah, I mean, they're. I'm going to keep my eye on them. I, I don't want to say too much just yet, but I think there is some talent on that team. And, and again, that's that's a sneaky, dangerous team, you know, come tournament time, I think. Yeah, those are, I agree with you completely. Chris, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, the, the, the only thing that I'll say is your UCF question plays into that Iowa-Cornell match because that, that match there, UCF's got Cornell on the schedule and would have desperately needed Cornell to win that match to help them out. They're going to, you know, if they're going to have any hope, they've got a couple. They play Arkansas out of conference and they play Cornell. Would have been nice. But, yeah, that was a big a big win for Iowa. Uh, it's, you know, it got them up to number 20. They're not going to challenge for a top – I mean, they would – I say that. But, you know, if for some reason they, they, they say up and beat Michigan, I mean, now it's a different – now a, a win like that could vault them there so at least they've got themselves to the point where they can probably look at the only two teams that would do that for them and that's ohio state and michigan and say hey if we can beat one of those guys there's a chance we could end up at a top 16 but it's in a likelihood that's you know that won't happen and then they're going to take they're going to take another loss in the big 10 anyway so um, so i think that's likely Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. No, I'll just say this. In terms of top 30 teams are now in the Big Ten. You look at what Northwestern's done early in the season. Iowa, what they've done as well. Should Illinois ever feel the need to bounce back? And I know they switched their top two. Brown right now playing one. Kofasevich playing two. There's certainly, you know, that the, the depth of this Big Ten conference will help those top seeds. You know, the Michigans and the Ohio States of the world. If the Big Ten wants to try and sneak in two top eight seeds. Although, again, given where we're at right now, who knows what that's going to look like. My result of the week, I always like to throw in a 4-3 result. The University of North Dakota knocking off Oral Roberts University 4-3. All top four matches going three sets. It just proves again that no matter what the matchup is, no matter who the two teams are, given the no-ad format, given just, it's just an exciting product right now, college tennis. You get to see good tennis all across the board. But let's preview the week ahead before we wrap this up with some trivia and then our top eight rankings. There are a lot of fun matches on the schedule this week. We were supposed to have a Wake Forest-USC battle. That match canceled, not because of virus concerns, but because of weather. But moving on throughout the week, you're going to get USC versus UCLA. That should be a lot of fun. On a lesser note, but Arizona, the number 34 team in the country, going to play an undefeated Pepperdine at Pepperdine. That's probably you know one of the last big tests for Pepperdine if they want to get through this regular season undefeated. But then come this weekend, we've got a bunch of battles. UNC going to take 
take on Miami, Florida. That's a fun one. Uh, but, you know, more importantly, in the SEC, we've got showdowns galore. Georgia going to Florida. Texas A&M uh, going to take on Mississippi State. Less exciting, I suppose, than it once was. But Tennessee traveling to South Carolina. Duke heading to Florida State. As Maddie mentioned earlier, you look at the Sunday matchups. You've got that North Carolina at Florida State. Tennessee going to Florida. Georgia going to South Carolina. And then Texas A&M going to Mississippi. Uh, you mentioned from the ACC. You've also, or I mentioned on the ACC, you've also got Duke, as Matt mentioned, at Miami of Florida. You've got NC State going to Wake Forest. That'll tell us a lot about both of those teams moving forward. Uh, it's going to be a really fun weekend of college tennis, Matty. Uh, I should also say Columbia is going to travel to Texas. That should be fun as well. Uh, the match you are most looking forward to, Matt, non-Duke related. Uh, well, right, right. Yeah, let's uh, let's preface that. I think, I mean, really for me, I'm going to stay, I'm going to go to the SEC actually and say Georgia, Florida. I mean, I think this is a crucial match for both teams because, you know, whoever comes out in that one's going to be in that solid number two position behind A&M. So big, big, big match there. And really, you know, you mentioned all the other SEC matches, Gruskin. This is a huge weekend in that conference. I mean, the standings could get shaken up a little bit. So I'm definitely going to have my eye on every single one of those big SEC matches. Yeah, and for any of you out there who, again, are you know disappointed by the lack of tennis, there's not going to be any Indian Wells for you to watch this week. There will be so much good college tennis, both on the men's and women's side. So, you know, all of those streams, our friends at PlaySite, uh, getting up to date with all of those things. So uh, be sure to be on the lookout for all of those. But Chris, again, if you had to pick one, and I agree with Matt's sentiment, I think we all do, all of those SEC matches going to be battled. The one match you are most looking forward to this weekend? Oh, I don't, I don't have one, but I'll say, I'll say it's a, it, it's, the traveling partners as they call them in the sec it's the set of matches so so south carolina and uh, and florida are the home teams and and the travel partners that flip-flop there uh georgia and tennessee so georgia plays them both on the road tennessee plays them both on the road so those four all four of those matches to me are because it's four teams that are you know of the four of the top five from the beginning of the year in the sec it's a big weekend for those four matches. God, you begin the podcast with integration. You're ending it with travel partners. Great shot by you, Chris. Uh, I'm, I'm liking all of these new terminologies. I mean, not that integration is a new terminology. Neither is travel partner for the record. But still, I enjoy it very much. All of those SEC, I agree. They're all fun. I'm going to throw one dark horse candidate in on Saturday. Uh, Columbia, Texas, the headliner. But TCU at Illinois, and the reason I bring it up is because, you know, the Horned Frogs might be the hottest team in college tennis right now. They've won something like seven or eight matches in a row. Uh, Their lineup, their young players continuing to get better and better. Sander Jong for them, a guy who has ridden his momentum since the National Indoors and has just played so confidently as of late. I think he got a win at three singles over Tulane, which is the highest he's ever played in the lineup. And look, for this Illinois team... If they're going to correct course, if they're going to right the ship and put themselves you know, in any sort of position to win the Big Ten, have confidence going into that, I think this is a must-have. And it's always difficult going to play in Champaign. That's one of, if not the rowdiest environment in all of college tennis. Coach Brad Dancer has his crowds ready to go. But you know, I'm not saying upset alert by any means. Let's, let's be clear here. TCU, the favorite by far, entering the match. But if Illinois is going to write its season, they need this one. And so I'm just... 
you know, a team when they get desperate, a, a desperate team is is like a, a wounded animal. You know, you always beware. So that to me is going to be a fun match to watch. But two segments to end, two segments that are staples now moving forward of this college tennis roundtable. It's time for Chris's trivia. So Westoff, give me a Chris's trivia sound effect. Chris, hit us with the question. All right, here we, this is a combo question here. I mean, there's only one answer, but 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 it's beautiful because we hit both the men's and the women at the same time. There is one like one school, both teams ranked in the top 50 of their respective divisions. Neither school has more than three ranked wins. They're both top 50. They're both neither... top 50. The, and it's the, the same program? Same school. Between them, they have a total, not just ranks, but a total of eight wins. But, and they're both top 50? And they're both top 50. Is it Illinois? Nope. Um, Power six? Yep. Yeah. Huh. Um, I know. It's, uh, it's, cl- it's not... It's not uh, Northwestern, is it? No, they've, no. Northwestern yeah, they've, has they've won. All right. If they're both top, are we talking lower end top fifty or upper end? It uh, can't yeah. be the upper end. I think they're both both mid thirties. Oh, I'm gonna go with Auburn. No, Auburn's Auburn men are not ranked. <laughs> yeah, they're last. <laughs> yeah, actually, okay. they have been. I don't know. They they've been hovering right around the fifty spot. Even though that's really? what I'm saying, they've been hovering. Yeah, they had, um, they've, they've fallen out. But to me, all right, give us a conference. Not top 50. Give you a conference. This is this ought to get it pretty quick. Pac 12. Cal, uh, you got it. Yeah, the Cal women guess. only have three wins. That's crazy. Have they played only like four matches? Uh, they're three and four. <laughs> wow. And the, and the men are five and three, and you know, four of. Uh, of those five and three, uh, for the men, two of them are against unranked teams. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Good trivia question. See, this is why we added it as a segment. I like that. Uh, that is great. Well, you talk about the rankings. That gets us to our final topic. We never leave these podcasts without giving our look at where the top eight seed to NCAA men's teams would be if the tournament were to start today. And this is not to make light of the situation, but given how many matches we anticipate may be canceled due to traveling concerns, due to safety issues for these teams moving forward. And we're not expecting all of them to be canceled by any means, but should they there be any influence you know each ranking when you've got or each when you've gotten to this point will seem to prove more and more important uh, but you look at the top eight rankings going into it and we mentioned this at the top you could make a case for probably 14 15 teams right now and you wouldn't get laughed out of the room I mean you'd get laughed out of the room if you said anyone but USC one UNC two so we don't even need to entertain those top two teams that's a given everyone it you know I, I talked to coaches throughout the week and even they all say yeah it's right now it's USC and UNC that we're all chasing on the men's side. But those three through eight positions, let's start with you, Maddie. And I'm sorry for putting you on this. Actually, no, you know what? I like you a little bit better. So we're going to start with Chris and put him. No, I'm just kidding. I just like getting Chris flustered a little bit more. So Chris, I'm going to fluster you from the get-go. I imagine you've been playing with your rankings throughout this conversation. I know I have been in reaction to what you guys are saying. Give me your teams three through eight. All right, I'm going to preface this with I actually think it looks better if I go eight 
through three. <laughs> Way better. No, no, do that, do that, no, do that. I don't mean I, say them in that order. I mean, I, I think if I run them <laughs> eight to three, it looks better than three to eight. I like my better upside down than I do the way I've got them. But, uh, but yeah, here, so here goes uh, for there's absolutely zero reason because I can make an argument against every one of these teams in the position they're in. So if you try to argue with me, I cannot defend any of it. Uh, number eight, Michigan. Number <laughs> number seven, Ohio State. Number six, Florida. Number five, Texas. I still don't know why. Number, <laughs> number four, TCU. And just because uh, it's one big barrel and I'm going to give them their props. Number three, Texas A&M. Wow. Wow. So what makes me so happy is we have two di- – I have two completely different teams than you in my top eight. Um, yeah, I – I would argue, but like you're right. I don't. I don't know what even to argue. So, Maddie, I want to hear you. Yeah, you win if you argue. I can't defend it. (laughs) Exactly, and that's the preface to this entire segment today. And of course, again, uh, to read my top eight rankings at depth, you can go check out our website, CrackedRackets.com, and our super producer Daniel Westoff has a very fun video on the horizon for all of you fans. But Maddie, give me your eight through three. Yeah, I mean, and and of course, let me preface with everything that Chris said about his rankings. The same goes for me, okay? Don't argue with me because I'm arguing with myself over this. So I, I don't know. I, I wrote some names down and put them in a hat and, and chose them. No, this is honestly right now. This is So Duke's at three for you, Maddie? <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, no, here we go. Number eight, Ohio State. Number seven, Georgia. Number six, number six, Florida. Number five, TCU. Number four, Texas. And number three, Texas A&M. I I don't know why. I I just, I feel like right now at this moment, that's what I'm going to go with. Apologies to Michigan. I left them out. But you know what? I just, I feel like the other eight teams that I've got in there, I just, I don't know. At this point, Michigan was idle last week, right? They didn't play any matches. So I'm booting them out for this week. So I want to play like I if if Westoff didn't have to do enough video editing, I would have him play the clip right now of you from a couple of weeks ago saying these rankings aren't about projecting into the future; they're about what you've done for me now. And right, right. boy, have you taken a one eighty on that position? <laughs> no, no, they, no. That's exactly that's exactly what this is. My point is Michigan hasn't played. We didn't. Well, then where's Stanford? Stanford, Stanford knocked off on Ohio State. Look, Stanford is – I've got Ohio State at eight. I still think their entire body of work in the season – I'm not going to remove Ohio State for Stanford. I just – I don't want to do that right now. I just don't want to do it. I know they just played. I just don't feel – Stanford uh, – I don't know. <laughs> I'm not doing well, it. Let me just say this. As I sat down today to write my weekly power rankings, I stared at the screen for a solid hour and a half and just thought like, oh, can I get a derivative from you, Chris, to where it'll just do it for me automatically because I have no idea. Well, I need some integrating (laughs) from you, Chris. I was like this. I need more and more because I have no idea what I'm going to do with my top eight. And let me just read. Let me tell you guys this. Florida, Texas, NC State, Georgia, Stanford, not in my top eight. 
None of them make it. And Florida was number three for me last week. But I started looking at the wins they've uh, accumulated this week, uh, this season. And, you know, they beat Wake at the indoors in that third match. And once you're knocked out of it, I'm not saying that either of these teams tank. But, again, context matters. And, you know, Florida got blown out 4-0 in about 30 minutes uh, in that match against UNC. And so Wake, meanwhile, played a three-hour battle the night before, maybe even four-hour battle against Ohio State. I think that sort of context matters. And I just don't think they have the wins right now to include them in the top eight. So that's why I dropped them for now. But you guys are going to love my eight through three. So I went Ohio State at number eight. Why? They still have wins over SC, A&M, and Texas. So that makes sense. Maddie, let's Numbers throw them out. He's got Stanford in the top seven. He's off. No, it, yeah, nope, Stanford it's going to get... top seven is ridiculous. But Gruskin, Ohio State No, they're State not. Stanford's eight. not in that's the top exactly seven. exactly why I had them at eight for what no, you No, I said. agree with you. But I, I agree with you. I just was giving you grief. Like I said, we're arguing with ourselves here, oh, right? Keep going. Um, I, I, this is so fun. Go, go. go ahead. Okay. Let's hear it. Texas, Texas A&M number seven, right? Fine? No, they Fine. should be higher. Okay, yeah. whatever. Uh, TCU number six. All right. Michigan number five, because under no circumstances am I going to tempt the karma gods and put them in the top four. Not ever. Uh, you guys know my feelings about Wake Forest, so I'm going to keep them at number four. But you guys are going to flip at who I have at number three, and I'm laughing at who I have uh, just on there. Because at number three for me right now, because I'm so indecisive, because I couldn't pick one team or the other, cool. I put— Nope, I put a hypothetical healthy Baylor team. If they had Brooksby, if they had Soto, if they had Boyton, if they had Garcia, they would be the number three team in the country. And the reason they're number three and no one else is because I know teams three through 15 right now are all the same. The only team that I think right now that has the talent and the roster depth and just the the ability of, you know, no questions surrounding them, and although I suppose there are so many questions surrounding them, is the idea of a healthy Baylor roster playing that full roster? I think they could compete with UNC and USC, and given where that, you know, depending on the given day, they could beat them. So I put a hypothetical healthy Baylor at number three. Good take, bad take, terrible take. Terrible, god, god awful take, Gruskin. Again, not a projection. Yeah, if you're, if we're going to project these out, that's a fair statement to make. But if you're saying at right now. At this moment in time, that Baylor's number three, that is one of the worst takes I've ever heard. <laughs> I didn't say Baylor was number three. I said a hypothetically healthy Baylor but, was number three. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I, but that just shows where we're at right now with these top eight seeds. It's really like, again, pick a name out of a hat, as you said, and you could go with any of them. The only team I think right Baylor. now. <laughs> Look. I wanted a hot take this week. I told I, I yeah, went into I'll, this. I was like, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you that, Gruskin. Like, our three down was in a hat, and and as soon as Brooksby comes back, why not? They're three. I mean, right. sure. <laughs> yeah, that that was the point of the take. Uh, that was what I'm saying. Is as a thought exercise, what team would you feel more confident about? Any of the teams three through twelve, or a healthy Baylor? Who would you pick right now? Neutral site match. Maddie, I mean, I said at the beginning of the season that a healthy Baylor is a national title contender, easily a top four team that will compete for the title. So, I mean, at this point, you know, if we're not going to include USC or UNC in there, but everybody else, like you said, 
I mean, I, 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 I like a healthy Baylor team, but we don't know. The thing is, <laughs> just we're, this, these are all hypotheticals. We don't know if we're ever going to see the true Baylor team. We do not know that. Uh, well, I'll say this. I have heard from my sources that we will be seeing Jensen Brooksby at some point this year, that it is a health injury thing, and that uh, you know Alex Garcia continues to work his way onto the court. He's as talented uh, of a freshman as out there, and you know that top four, Soto, Boytan, and you know top five even, Soto, Boytan, La, and then the new guys, Brooksby and Garcia, and then you know the combination of Finn Bass, Constant Franzen, uh, RYA, and Dickey, you know, they have so many options one through eight so as a thought exercise and again I'm not the one my power rankings at this point erroneous to how the actual seasons are going to play out but that's where I'm saying is right now what I've learned is there's a huge gap between USC UNC and everyone else at this point at just at this point of the season and the only team that I think could hang with them right now Chris is a healthy Baylor team crazy not crazy. I'm looking at your face. You seem. Has the I'm take not, grown I'm not, on you? I'm not saying it's crazy. My my actually my bigger concern about about seeing a potentially healthy Baylor team is you know every every time somebody comes back they've got to work their way in and I mean if Brooksby really is still dealing with the lingering effects of turf toe that's not an injury that you can that I mean that's a tough one to get back and be good from so hopefully he's had enough time off lord no it's been it's been a long time that that he does come back at you know 95 plus percent but i'm not yeah i wouldn't argue that a healthy baylor team could be is one of the few that's going to be able to you know compete toe-to-toe with those top two which is why this is my power rankings. I agree. I, I'm, I'm down with it. Again, it's uh, all hypothetical. So I just wanted to throw a little spice at you guys at the end. I knew you guys would like that one. Uh, but so that is our take on the top eight seeds. And again, to check that in article form to actually hear me make a coherent case for all of these teams, be sure to go check out our website, crackedrackets.com. Super producer Daniel Westoff up to all sorts of fun stuff on our YouTube channel as well. Turning these power rankings into a, uh, into a video and... And honestly, I think we got the audio content from this. We turned this segment into a video. This was awfully entertaining as a thought exercise. But it's going to be another really fun week of college tennis. And to all of you tennis fans out there who have a need, you you haven't gotten your fix of tennis as of late due to all the cancellations because of the emerging coronavirus, college tennis is there for you. It's all week long, matches scattered throughout the week. They're all of high quality. So be sure to go check all of them out to find out who plays when. You can, of course, go check out the ITA website or you can check out our friend Chris Hallioris's website, his week ahead schedule at collegetennisranks.com. Uh, before we wrap this bad boy up, Matt, any final words? Oh, no, I'm done. <laughs> I thought I got the rest out of you. Chris, your final thoughts? No, I, I'm, still, I'm still shaking. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I did my job. I will give our hey, final thoughts. I'll by give saying, you that, my one final thought, Gruskin. Because I, and I told okay. you guys before we went on air, I have no idea how I didn't see it. If anybody else hasn't seen it, Ram Ramskogler shot behind the chair at Tennessee. Go look it up. Craziest thing I've ever seen. I've seen plenty of around the post. Never seen anybody so far off the court. They go behind the umpire chair and make it in the court. Un- unbelievable video. Yeah. 
No, completely agree with that. And again, that speaks to the day-by-day excellence of college tennis as a product. And, you know, speaking of day-by-day excellence, we uh, wouldn't be able to do the things we do without the excellent sponsors we have at Diadem Sports. Go to their website, diademsports.com. Use the promo code CR50, 50% off of your orders. Of course, I also want to give a shout-out to our friends at Aerobar. Use that promo code CRACK30 for 30% off your tennis energy bar needs. It's going to be a really fun week of results. And again, for all that, be sure to check out out the website crackedrackets.com for the more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube it's at cracked rackets for me at college tennis ranks for chris at matt underscore stack and it's not s-t-a-c-k it's s-t-a-c-h for matt stakoyak for all those updates shout out to the super producers as always max fligner and daniel westoff for the than editing job they are have to do day in day out especially when we go the hour 10 minute mark like we did today and you know again they've got so many fun things going on on our youtube channel as well so be sure to go check that out but for my wonderful co-hosts Matt Stokoyak, Chris Hallioris, for our super producers Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, our sponsors Diatim Sports and Aerobar and all of us here at Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I'm your host Alex Gruskin guys what do we tell the listeners that's a break that's a break and we will see you all tomorrow thanks everyone 